to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Verse, we're going to read from verses 8 through 14. We're actually going to read quite a bit of scripture today, so if you want to just write things down, that'll be a good thing today. You should always come here with pencil and paper. Always. And of course, the Bible. Thank you, Elder, for reminding me that. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. Today I want to talk to you about the master truth. Not just any truth, but I want to talk to you about the master truth. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, but then I'm going to be bandying about on different versions, so if you don't read it exactly the way I read it, don't worry about it. It's just another version of Scripture, another translation. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now, I'm going to stop there a second because it's interesting. It says they were afraid when they saw the angel. How many people say, oh, I saw an angel, I saw an angel? I don't believe them. Because if you were ever really to see an angel, you'd fall dead in your face. Or at least, you know, you'd lose all your power. And you'd fall on your face in total fear. They are huge. They are scary beings. They emit light from them. The glory of God accompanies them. So maybe you had a dream and your, your mind interpreted what you thought was an angel. But you have not seen an angel. I will know you've seen an angel by your, your, your total fear. Oh my God, I saw an angel. Yeah, yeah. That, okay, I think you saw an angel then. Yeah. So these guys, they were terrified when they saw the angel. But he said, be not afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. People. Say that with me, all people. all people. See, it's not a select people. This was for all people, for all the world. And then it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David, David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace goodwill toward men. On earth, peace and goodwill toward men. This message that this babe was bringing was a combination of peace and goodwill or mercy, grace, favor, love. That was being presented to the world, to all people, through this child. Just the message of Christmas, Christmas. And if we go a moment to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, Deuteronomy that's in the Old Testament. That's right after the book of Revelation. No? See, you've you got to know your word. Otherwise, you'd be looking after the book. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. And he is, a, he is the faithful God. Keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. I'm going to say that again. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. We're going to go to one more verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. 
Pastor, can't you just read it to us? Yes, I can. But I want you to exercise. I want you to open up those words. You know, there's parts of your Bible that never been opened, so you try to open it and you can't. You need to put some glue on your fingertips to open them. See, I want you to start opening those parts of the Bible. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you open up the eyes of our understanding. Lord, that we might just not just know that these verses exist, but Lord, may they become truth in our very spirit, man. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, not just during Christmas, but all year round, every day of our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated, brethren. So we can see that God's love was manifest to us in Christ. Therefore, the highest message of Christmas is the fact that because Christ loved us, He left His throne and He was born to deliver us from our sins. That's, that's the highest message. It's not the gifts. It's not the beautiful trees. It's not the wreaths. It's not the gift giving. It's not the, the merengue and the salsa. Oh, yeah, no, for us, let me tell you, Christmas means merengue, salsa, pasteles, yuca, rice and beans. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, it's, it's delicious. All these foods, these ethnic foods, these cultural foods, we love them all. But that's not the highest reason for Christmas, even though that's great because it provides fellowship. Family comes together. They're warm times usually. Sometimes family gets together and the fights break out. But that's not the reason for it. It's, it's a reason to express the love of Christ. In Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, Follow God's example in everything you do because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love for others. Following the example of Christ who loved you. Say with me, Christ, Christ. loved you. See, notice, he says, Christ loved you and he gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like sweet perfume to him. I love it. In fact, in the Bible, it was a pleasing aroma. The fact that he loved us and he offered. See, notice, love offers. I'm going to hit you with something because most of us, we can... We can... Work with this word. It's called faith. Anybody ever heard a message on faith? Raise your hands. Those of you that have heard a message on faith, you have to trust God. You have to believe God. Five people heard the message of faith? Okay, six and a half people. Because one guy's like halfway. I don't know, but I help. Well, no, it's a, it's a very important me- message. In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Faith is the substance of things that you hope for and the evidence of things that you do not see. Hebrews 11, uh, 6 says it's impossible to please God apart from faith because we need to believe God, know that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But note, in Galatians 5, 6, it says faith works. So say with me, faith works. So faith is an action word. Faith is something that's constantly moving. It's, it's, not, it's not a static thing. It's a moving thing. It's kinetic in its action. It moves. When true faith is present, it moves. But now I'm, I'm, I'm just about to burst your bubble. 
Because Galatians 5, 6, it says, faith worketh by love. True biblical faith works by love. My car works by gasoline. It doesn't make a difference how powerful my engine is. If I don't put gasoline in my engine, my engine will cease to run. I could scream at my engine. I could shout at my engine. I could jump on top of the car, act like a fool, and the car will not run. I can cry. I can get angry and offended at my car. I could threaten my car that I'm going to junk it if it doesn't move. But if I don't put gas in the car, my car will not run. Amen. And this is exactly why many people's faith in the kingdom of God isn't operating. Because they're not operating in their faith through love. I say I love God, but I hate people. Faith worketh by love. Christ loved us. He gave his life for us. That was his action to prove his love. Because love works. Love is not just a word. The word agape is, the Greek word, is a love that expresses itself even if a person doesn't deserve it. It's a highest level. It's a type of love that goes deeper than the peripheral view of a human being. It, it digs deep to the very soul, to the very core, to the very essence of that person and finds value in that person. And says, because I've seen that value and because God the Father loves that person, even though they're a mess right now, they might be on drugs right now, they might be on alcohol, they might be right now um, stealing, but that person, that human being has value. And God came for the whole world. The message was the angel. Remember the angel? The one that scared the life, scared the tar out of the farmers, out of the shepherds. He says, this is a goodwill message. That babe born is the Messiah. He has come to set the people free from their sins. This is good news we're giving you today. Don't be afraid. God is ex ex he's sharing, he's exposing his love to the world in Christ. See, so that is a manifest word. Uh, love works. Say to your neighbor, love works. Love works. Hallelujah. And the visible evidence that we are truly Christians is that we work also. Now, in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give you. He didn't say a new option. He didn't say, I recommend this to you. He says, I give you a new commandment. And the commandment is, love one another as I have loved you. See, that's the qualifier right there. It's not just enough that you love one another. See, I love you. You love me. We're one big family. You know, yeah, we love each other. But there are levels of love. I might love you, but I don't even say hello to you. I might love you, but no, I might not like you too much. I might love you, but I never step into your house. I might love you, but you're in need. You're going to go hungry because I never go into my pocket and help you. 
So we have levels of love. In the Greek, love expresses itself more. It has more words for love. In English, I can love my wife and love my car. I can love my son and I can love my dog. There's no difference. It's just the same word. We just lump it in the whole thing. But in Greek, you have estorgos, which is a, a, a non-committal type of love. Uh, you know, like a person coming up to a little boy. Oh, I just love this little boy. You know. Then you have uh, the eros. Eros means physical love. And guys, you know, you guys, you see a guy, yo, that's one hot mama right there. I'd be loving me some, you know, you know what I'm talking about? What? That's eros. But that's also non-committal because after the physical is over, there's no commitment. Then there's the phileo love. Phileo, it means brotherly. And God knows that right now there are many brothers and sisters that can't stand each other. They hate each other. Don't talk to each other. She's going to the party. I'm not going to go there. She's going to be at the funeral. Uh Uh-uh, I'll go the next day. Yeah, they can't stand each other. But then there's the highest level of love. I love the way the Greek explains it, the different types of love. Use, employs different words. You've got agape. Agape is the way God loves us. He loved us while we were yet in sin, while we were stained in sin, while we were separated from him. That's when Jesus came. He loved us and he showed his love by his action. How can we show our love in these days? Hallelujah. He says, by this, verse 35, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But it just doesn't say that. It says, as I have loved you. What did Jesus do? How did Jesus show his love for you and me? Jesus, you should have left it there. Love one another. I could deal with that. Because I have a particular definition of love that I feel comfortable with. But he had to qualify it in saying, love one another as I have loved you. Oh! His type of love sacrifices. His type of love gives, even to the pain. His type of love cannot be offended. I have never met people more offended besides politicians than Christians. Don't tweet that. No, think about it. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. I've seen 40, 50, 60-year-old men and women, uh, you know, I'm offended, hypocrite, it's duplicity. And they're always talking about they're offended by this bill or that vote or whatever it might be. But yet in the Christian church, I hear so many people, oh, I'm offended at this, I'm offended at that, I'm offended, offended, offended. Stop that nonsense. Jesus' love is unoffendable. They slapped him, he still loved them. They spit on him, he still loved them. They hated him. He loved them. They made him drag a, 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 a cross. I don't know what it was, what, a quarter of a mile, a whole mile. I don't even know what it was. He did it and still loved them. They nail him to the cross and, they st- and he still loves them. They put a crown of thorns in one of the most sensitive parts of the body, creating the most ridiculous pain, and he still loves them. Then they hang him on the cross, which that provokes a breaking of the arms. And he still loves them. And on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what they're doing. And he still decides to go with this. 
And you know what, what I love about Jesus, among the many, while he was in the garden, he knew all of this was going to happen to him. So he goes to the Father, and he says, Father, is there any other way that this, we could do this? And, and, and in the same breath, he's saying, but not my will, let your will be done. See, they had discussed this before the foundation of the earth. And this was already set in heaven. He already told the Father, I'm going to do this because I love our creation. There'll be sons and daughters to us, and we love them. And you can understand that because you have a child. You'll do anything for the child. If your child's in danger, you'll get in the middle of the bus. You'll push him away, and you'll take the, the hit. You know that. So that's what it is. We, we just have that, that little portion of the love of God in us when we understand father to son, uh, mother to son and daughter, whatever it may be. We have a little glimpse of that. But man, to love that much. But then he qualifies our love. He gives us a commandment. It's not an option. So now I have to look at you differently. Now I have to learn how to get along with you even though you have that stuff that I hate about you. Pastor, did you say you have that, that there's stuff I have that you hate? Well, maybe not hate, but maybe dislike intensely. <laughs> That's the type of love we're talking about. In 1 John 4, verse 16, he says, we know how much God loves us because we have felt his love and because we believe him when he tells us that he loves us dearly. God is love. And anybody that lives in love is living with God and God is living with him. And as we live with Christ, our love grows more perfect and complete. So we will not be ashamed or embarrassed on that day of judgment, but we could face him with confidence and joy because he loves us and we love him too. We need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we're afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows us that we do not fully or we're not fully convinced that he really loves us. So you see, our love for him comes as a result of his loving us first. Then it goes on to say in verse 20, if anybody says, I love God, but keeps on hating his brother, he's a liar. For if he doesn't love his brother who's right there in front of him, how can he love God whom he has never seen? And God himself has said that one must love not only God, but his brother too. <sighs> Isn't that kind of specific? How can I say I love God if I don't love you? So part of the Christian message is tweaking our love process. Our love philosophy. While everybody's out there in the mall fighting for that one last toy, we are tweaking our hearts and making sure we fall in line with the type of love that Jesus displayed on Christmas. Loving our brothers and sisters is not an, uh, it's not an option. It is a command. It also reveals if we actually know God. Because in 1 John 4, 7, 8, it says... Dear friends, let us practice loving each other, for love comes from God. And those who are loving and kind show that they are children of God and that they are getting to know Him better. But if a person isn't loving and kind, if a person isn't loving and kind, verse 8, but if a person isn't loving and kind, it shows that he does not know God, for God is love.
I, I, I'm just the messenger. Don't get angry with me. What we sow is what we reap, right? How many of you know that message? We've taught it here. What you sow is what you reap. If you sow friendship, you will get friendship. Sometimes you sow friendship one place, it'll manifest another place. Because Just because you give toward a person, that person might not give back to you. But God will make sure it comes back to you, whether from that person or for some, from somewhere else. But in Galatians 6 and 7, it says, I'm reading from, I think it's uh, the, the New Living, New Living Version, or New Living Bible. It says, don't be misled. Remember that you cannot ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop that he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, he will be planting seeds of evil, and he will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. But if he plants the good things of the Spirit, notice you could plant good things of the Spirit. And one of the good things of the Spirit is love, the fruit of the Spirit. If love is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and on and on. Love is a fruit. Fruit has seeds. Seeds can be planted. So, so our fruit of love has seeds. And the only way you can get seeds to bear is by planting them in somebody else's soil. So it says, if he plants the good things of the Spirit, he will reap the everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives him. And let us not be tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. That, that's why whenever we can, we should always be kind to everyone and especially to our Christian brothers. Notice it says here, don't get tired. Say to your neighbor, don't get tired. Don't get tired of doing good. Yeah, I, I know it, it gets hard because sometimes you do a kindness to somebody and they slap you in the face. You do a kindness to somebody and they just, I'm talking about they take your kindness and figuratively stomp all over it, spit on it, kick it a couple of times. So our natural instinct is to stomp on them a little and spit on them and kick them a couple of times. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if I was preaching there. I think I got in the flesh a moment. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. It's not easy to function this way. That's why we need the Spirit of God to empower us each and every day so we can walk in love as Scripture mandates. Because apart from His love, apart from His love shed abroad in our hearts, it's not, uh, it's almost impossible to flow in this level of love. In Matthew seven twelve, it says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And Jesus said this. If you want somebody to do something for you, you do it first. Wow. I taught this about a year ago in this church. I told you what is the guarantee. How can you guarantee your future, your future harvest? By doing first. It says sow, and it will be you will reap. It will be give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, good measure. Will men give unto your bosom for with the same measure that you give, it shall be given back unto you. So I understand this, so I sow to my future. I am kind when I can be kind. When I have an opportunity, I get involved and I do it. Uh, I'll give you an example.
these flowers has seen better days. I think this, the, the mother church plant, they put this here, I think last week. We did. When did we put this? Last week? So a kindness we can do is at the end of the service, we could get some fresh flowers. For us? Nah, we finished the service. Who cares? For them. You see how I found an opportunity? Opportunities are all over the place. The simplest of things. Just, just last week, I think, we changed the bulb. Was it you guys, us? Or did they do it, finally? <laughs> no, we, we noticed there was a light off. And then the, David did. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. No, well, we, we did that as a team. We noticed two weeks straight, the bulbs were out. They missed it. But we caught it. That's eh, not our building, you know, when we get our building. No, no. We do it for them. Something as small as that. In, in the workplace, there's something you can do for your supervisor. Yeah, the one that irritates you. You could do something for your family member. You could do something for, for your children, for your mom, for your dad. There are so many things. If you are in the perspective, in the proper perspective, you'll be able to see the opportunities. But if you're in the wrong mindset, you'll miss all the opportunities. Why? Because you're too busy offended. Why? Because you're too busy angry. You're too busy, you know, hating. Well, not in this church. I don't, this church doesn't hate. We, we, we're not haters. Amen. We, we just love. Amen. Amen, right? We just love. Praise God. We love the Lord. We love people. Praise God. The Spirit of God flows through us. Think about it. So many opportunities. And each of those opportunities speak to people. I call somebody I haven't seen for a couple of weeks. Call somebody from this congregation. And you know what they said? Thank you, Pastor, for the call. I really needed it. Why did I call? Because I could. I have a phone. But isn't there a department for that? I don't care. I wanted to call him. I wanted to let him know I love him. Nothing fancy. Hi, just want to let you know I love you. Been missing you. Love you, man. Wow, Pastor, thank you. I really appreciate that call. I didn't have to, but I did it because I felt love. Love is an action word. Love acts. Not A-X. A-C-T. <laughs> love works, and we can walk in love. The word walk. When you think of walk, what do you mean? When you think of walk. Hmm? A journey. What else? Motion. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Destination. Absolutely. It's a journey. It's a destination. It's an action. A way of thinking. Walking in something. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, good. You, you, you have an idea. Walk has different connotations. And it says in Romans 13.10, in the King James Version, it says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So it says there, love worketh no ill. So if it worketh no ill, what does it work? Good. Goodwill. Love works goodwill. Love worketh no ill. You know, you know, old English. In other words, the work of love or, or the walking of love is to do kindness to another person. Ephesians 5, 1, 2. I'm going to repeat that one. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. 
steps. Each step what? Creating the potential to express God's love to somebody else. But pastor, it sounds nice what you're doing, but how do you really roll it out in the natural? How do you really roll it out in a stress-filled life? Well, part of the reason why you're stressed is because you are overwhelmed with things. If you were operating in the love of God, in the peace of God, you wouldn't have the level of stress you have today. If you were allowing the peace of God and the contentment factor to come in, you wouldn't be stressing so much. Paul said, I'm content whether I have a lot, whether I have a little. It's not about that. It's my relationship with God. It's, it's the love I can express to others. Yeah. Amen. In the, in the book of Proverbs, it says it's better to eat herbs with love than the fatted calf with, with hate. This Christmas season, people are going to eat huge banquets and be filled with stress. And somebody here is going to eat a pastel and a half with love. And they're going to go to sleep at night with mmm, 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 mm. And they're going to be turning and tossing because of their stress. Yeah. Because it's depending what you expect. If you have too much expectation of life, unfortunately, it's going to create the wrong aura around you, the wrong atmosphere around you. How can we walk in love in this Christmas season? Well, 1 Corinthians 13. Verses 4 through 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. Point number one. Remember the good Samaritan. Remember that guy that got beat up on the side of the road? A bishop passes by. They say, oh man, poor guy, keeps on walking. A Jewish rabbi passes by. Wow, sorry to see this on the road. Well, you know, you got to be careful in this road. This, this, this road, a lot of crime. A Samaritan who the bishop... <laughs> And, and the uh, rabbi didn't like too much because they were half-breeds. Goes, he looks at him, he picks up the guy, puts oil on his wounds, bands him up, puts him on his donkey, rides him to the inn, the equivalent of our Motel 8 today or maybe something better. And since he has a relationship with the guy, he says, listen, this is going to be my guest. I want him to stay in the room. I want you to feed him. And in case he has anything, put it on my tab. Then Jesus said, who is the one that expressed love? But the bishop knew all about love. The rabbi knew all about love. After all, they were the teachers of it. But who actually employed love? Who walked in love? See, it's not enough to talk about love. It's not enough to just say, I love you. There has to be a corresponding action. Remember the Good Samaritan. No one would have remembered the Good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. I wrote this quote. Intentions without action are like clouds that are here for the moment, but when you look at them a little later, they're gone, like they never existed in the first place. That you can tweet. Maybe, maybe too many words. 
Now, tweet, you have to be short. Facebook, I can do that. I'm learning, people. I'm learning. Number two, identify any traits that show that you're not walking in love. Now the rubber hits the road. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love doesn't envy. Are you envying right now? Love is kind. Are you being unkind? Love thinks no evil. Are you thinking evil? No, I'm not thinking evil. Are you planning to, to hurt your brother? I don't plan to hurt my brother. Well, are you planning to withhold kindness because you're, you're offended? See, we, we can walk this at different levels. You're going to find something that you need to deal with in this Christmas. Number two, identify any traits that will show that you're not walking in love. You, you identify them with yourself. You have a powwow with yourself, and you'll find the areas that you can work on. Number three, repent for not walking in love. That's right, we need to repent. We need to repent. Father, forgive me for I have not walked in love. Depending on the area, depending on the level, it's not walking in love if you turn the phone off. That's fine. That, that's, that's okay. Number four, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with His love and the strength to walk in love. Say to your neighbor, ask the Holy Spirit. See, we have the right. We can ask the Holy Spirit to give us strength. We have the right to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with His love. You know why? Because this is not easy. I need God's help. Because some people are not really lovable. Some of our friends are tough to love. Some of our friends, they, they, they tell you, I love you, and you go, uh, yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. But you can't say it back. Uh, yeah, I love you too. I love you with all my heart. No, but you have to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength. So ask the Holy Spirit. If you ask God for a gift, will He give you a stone? No. As a good Heavenly Father, He'll give us what we ask. And He'll give us the Holy Spirit. He'll fill us with the Holy Spirit. He'll give us the strength we need. To love even the unlovable. Number five, shift your focus from how the world celebrates Christmas and begin to celebrate Christmas the way God intended it to be. Goodwill and love toward men. I'm not saying that we cannot have a good fellowship. What I'm saying now, your fellowship is going to be even more richer because now you're going to have the true meaning of Christmas, I mean, mixed right in. There's nothing like adobo. It's good. It's nothing like recao, recaito. You know what recaito is? a mix of herbs and stuff like that. They get a little bit from here, a little bit from there. I still don't know what's in recaito. Sofrito, I still don't know what's in there. I just know it's good. I just know. Do you have rice and beans? Okay. You put cilantro? What? No, not the recaito. Boom! You eat rice and beans? Good. You put recaito, boom. Mm. <laughs> Spanish version of bam, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emerald, Emerald Nazario, right? But think about it. Think about adding love in that mix. Oh, now, now the aroma is just right. 
Now the concoction is perfect. Employ love. Number six, remember that love is the master key that releases life, healing, and all of God's blessings to us. That's the master key, love. It's not faith, it's love. Because faith, even faith worketh by love. And lastly, develop a personal relationship with the author of love, Jesus Christ. It's not enough just to celebrate Christmas. It's not just enough to know that there's a Christ in the Christmas, but develop a personal relationship with the Christ of Christmas. Because he's the author of love. He's the one that showed us the way. He's the one that fills us now with his spirit. He says, I'm leaving. I'm going back to the Father. But I am sending you another comforter. I will not leave you comfortless because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. So the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. Christ in us is that manifestation of love. Is that manifestation of hope? Is that manifestation of caring? So have a personal relationship and love will flow through you, from you, to the world. Hallelujah. So what's the real reason for the Christmas? Christ in Christmas. It's the anointed one and his anointing of love in and through us. Everything that works in the kingdom of God works through love. When Jesus walked by the sick man, he was moved to compassion and he healed the sick. Well, he's Christ. He had the anointing. Well, what about the Samaritan? The Samaritan saw the man beat up and he was moved with compassion and he healed the sick. He might not have laid hands on him that way, but he laid hands on him and claimed the wound and, and bandaged him up. How many people in the church, how many people among our families, how many people even in the workplace, they're hurt, they're wounded, and yet nobody's healing them. The master key, the master tool, the master principle that can reboot mankind, love. I am love. Yeah, God is love. That was his declaration. Amen. Politicians will get their act together if they just loved us. Think about it. Many of their decisions are not based on love. It's based on greed. If you study some of the laws, well, we got to pass this. And, and the title, uh, oh, to bless our soldiers or whatever it might be, or bless sick children, whatever it might be. But in it, they've got pork. You know what pork is? Little laws that sneak in a million for here, a million for there. Did you sign a bill? Not only did you sign the title part, but also hidden things. That's greed. Because where are they getting the money from? From our taxes. It's going to fund their pet projects. I don't know if this is right or wrong, if it's true or not. But maybe some of you that have studied the law in this area might know. This, uh, I was talking to a finance guy this week. He blew me away. He said this. He said, why do you think that insider trading is such a dangerous thing? Yet, if you look at a senator, they make, uh, whatever, 175000 a year. But two, three years after they're in the Senate, they're millionaires. Why? Because for them, it's legal. They can act on insider trading, and for them, it's not illegal. But for everybody else, it's illegal. Well, just look at, their, look at their net worth before they get in and a couple of years after they're in. It's not on a $175,000 salary. Because after you pay your taxes on $175,000, you only get $52 a week. <laughs> just joking. Feels like that sometimes. 
No, think about it. So there's a lot of greed up there. But if there were love, genuine love like this, let me tell you something. These elected officials will come in there, find extra money for here, give it to community, give it to the hospital, give it to the education, give it to the places where it needs to really go. And everybody would live right. But because we don't operate in love, we now have to bring law into find this guy, limit this guy, and hinder this from happening, and fight and fight and fight. Lack of love. That's the master emotion. It's the master tool, the master principle. So how do people find out about this? You mentor it. You model it in your home, in your community, in your job. Let people see Christ in you. I'll close with this. Jesus prayed. He said, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. <clears throat> so that the world may see that you sent me. Isn't that amazing that Jesus manifested that in his prayer? Let them be one as you and I are one, Father, so that the world could see. When the world sees that the church is flowing in that type of love, then they'll be able to see Christ in the church. What happens is the world looks at the church and many times we're acting just like the world. So they can't see the difference. So therefore they're not seeing Christ in the church, in our actions, in our everyday interactions with community. They don't see it. So let's change it around. Let's start manifesting this master tool, this master principle. Well, he's not doing it, so you do it. You start. She's not doing so you start. And not only will you be a blessing to people, but then the Bible says that God is pleased with that type of sacrifice, and he'll bless us because of it. So we'll be like the conduit. Water flows through the pipe. What I love about that is as the water is being employed as a conduit to get the water from one side to the other, the water itself gets watered. The pipe itself gets watered. You understand? So you, allowing the water of life to flow through you, you yourself, your family, would also get watered. Amen? Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. Did you get something out of that? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the last point I brought, develop a personal relationship with the, the master of love. God is love. That's very important. So we need to, right now, I want you to come into a place of meditation, of, of introspection. Are you operating in God's love? Has this been a revelation to you? I believe that we have been operating in levels. Because it's the level that you know that you operate in. You might not have known this. Maybe you're hearing this for the very first time. You say, whoa, I didn't know that. So I have to, I have to step up my act, so to speak. So do it, just as an act of your will based on knowledge of what God has done for us and what he wants to do through us, let us now get into that posture of love and begin that process of loving one another as Christ loved the church. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you. We're so thankful to you for your kindness and your tender, tenderness that you shared as Christ was born on this earth. And today, as we continue to discuss, and we continue to read and study a word concerning Christmas and what it has evolved to, to the point where so many people 
are saying they're offended because this tree was put up, because that sign was put up, because that manger, uh, the manger scene was put up in this area. They're so busy fighting to get rid of your love. I pray, oh God, empower us today. Fill us with your presence that we might be able to share your love like never before so that the world might see Christ in the church. That the world might see Christ through our actions. Oh God, move upon us mightily today. Fill us with your presence. Let your love overflow to us and through us. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor and the praise. Give us or rather show us the many opportunities that we have on a continual basis of manifesting your love. Whether or not the people uh, accept it or not, or whether they acknowledge it or not, but let us show your love. Oh God, do it today. Fill us with your love. Lord, that our actions might come in line with that verse that says, to walk in love. Faith worketh by love. Let this be the greatest Christmas season yet, O oh God, as we activate this master key, this master truth in our lives. We pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.